and so they were just getting together and back then it was something very different than what we've got today. We've changed our, our modem and the way that we've operated as an yeah. organization. So I think you're the oldest member, or I guess you're, you're now the current, um, well, I mean, you run the Playwrights Center. I mean, we had Don, um, oh, shucks, I forgot Don's Don, last name. Don, Don Hardwick. Yeah, exactly, Don Hardwick, mm-hmm. who helps you run the Playwrights Center. Actually, he is, he, is, he is actually busy right now trying to figure out how we're going to get the stage set done for the show that we're going to start in November 8th. Oh. <laughs> yeah, November 8th, we, we will market that. That's the Playwright Center. Uh, the, we, it's the event. Playoffs. That's right. Playoffs 2018. Mm-hmm. And it is um, an audience chosen, audience selected mm-hmm. playwrights. Yeah. This, is, this, is, this is different than what we had before. Um, what we had before, you tended to have a group of people mm-hmm. who were actually producers, you know, and, and board members and so forth. And we want to make sure that, right. that, we, get, that we get our work mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Uh, but, and they would use that. There would be a group of them that would meet and they'd read the plays and the plays would be juried. No, we said we want to have more people this year and, and last year. Mm-hmm. We said we're going to have open it up. You put your name in a hat. We'll draw your name out of a hat. We had 27 this year, mm-hmm. 27 persons mm-hmm. that brought in and wrote their 10-minute plays. Uh-huh. There was a limit, 10 yeah. minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we we put together and put in, and the audience comes to each one of those plays. We do, do nine, mm-hmm. nine and nine and nine, week after week after week. That's oh, what yeah. we did this right. year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I participated in that. Yes. It was a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's a great that's a great way of, of watching a play because the thing that excites me about plays is that it's live. That's right. right. Theater is live. Yeah. And in a way that film is not even. Uh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in yeah. a way that that you know, very yeah. different than the way that. So we we, is. we will talk more about the showcase and and the the finals of it because basically the results the folks that won. Uh, you know, uh, the Playwrights Showcase. October, yeah. October, yeah. Yeah. Actually, we started this back in July. July. Yeah, really because during, during, the, during the, uh, the auditions for four men, right. I didn't participate in that because I was in the Playwrights Showcase. I was performing. So now the results, the folks that won the uh, Showcase right. back in uh, August are now going to be featured in November. Yeah. So... As I begin each week, how was your week, Norman? 
is Mercury in retrograde. <laughs> oh my, from, it's funny, the least thing was me leaving my hat here last yeah. week. That was the least of what happened. Um, I knew there was a problem with my car. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wondered if it was just that I have an older car and I was carrying people around a lot more than I normally do. And so I knew I needed to get it into the mechanic. Um, last weekend, the boy was running late to work. Mm-hmm. So, oh, what it was it was a weird thing where he had left his bike at BART somehow. I think Mari had picked him up someplace else. Mm-hmm. So he now needed to get to his bike. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. I jumped in her car, and I drove him down to BART. Mm-hmm. I'm out of the house. She had something else that she had to do that morning. So I'm kind of on my own. Mm-hmm. I went and I grabbed something to eat, and I rolled down to, um, what's it called? Oh, gosh. Um, it's the park just here. It, it's on the estuary. Yeah. And it's right over next to um, Alameda. Mm-hmm. But it is Oakland. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Union Point. That's a Union Point Park. Yeah. Um, so I roll over there. It's beautiful. Overlooks the marina, the estuary. You mm-hmm. can see downtown Oakland. I'm under the trees, so I'm not in the sun. It's gorgeous. I'm listening to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. <laughs> I listen to the whole program. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, well, I should, you know, go get some stuff done today. So, car won't start. Oh, no. So I call AAA. You know, I figure out I must have run the battery down, which is weird because mm-hmm. I've listened to programs before, but whatever. Yeah. Guy comes out, hooks up a thing to him. He says, oh, you've got a full charge. And it doesn't do anything. He's like, yeah, I think it's your starter. And, he's, and he calls for a tow truck. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. the tow truck gets there not too much longer. Mm-hmm. We take it to my mechanic, and they're like, yeah, your starter's gone. So I'm like, well, Mara, the starter's gone. And we I don't even know how much that is. Uh, <laughs> that ended up being just under three, I think. Oh, that's not bad. Mm, it's more money. Yeah, yeah. It's more money coming out of your pocket. Well, so I remember I started this thing, my car. I was planning on going home, getting my car, and taking it to the mechanic. Instead, I ride in the tow truck to the mechanic in her car. I get home. We get her car picked up the next day. I go to drive to the mechanic, and they're like, oh, this is, this is, um, your brakes are gone. Oh, okay. And they have a, he's older, but he's a newer employee. And they were having him do it because brake job's a fairly simple thing. So he's doing it. He's trying to put the wheels back on, and the wheel is doing this. It's wobbling. Mm-hmm. And one of the other guys comes over and says, oh, wait, wait, wait. Your, your hub is gone. And they pull that out. <laughs> so that's, a, that's three things now. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting worse as you go along. <laughs> and, um, and you cannot take the car. I'm like, well, I got a job in San Francisco. He says, no, 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 no. This tire will come off. You cannot take the car. <laughs> So I had to leave the car, and now we are approaching total. We're approaching about a thousand dollars, you know, hers and mine. Yeah. So that's hell. Then yesterday, because mm-hmm. the week has just been interesting this way. Yeah. Yesterday, and and all of it is, I have to, you know, I don't mean to be namby pamby. You know, I'm not, I'm not the God loving guy that you are. Um, <laughs> it's okay. But I do believe in a higher power. Sure. And I do believe that things happen for. Well, mm-hmm. not so much for a reason, yeah. but if you don't go with the flow, if you're yeah. going to fight what's happening, you're fighting destiny, you're sure. kind of stupid, you're out of yeah. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't do it. It's a bad play. Right. <laughs> Stay away from it. Mm-hmm. I get home, and I wanted to go out and sing. So mm-hmm. yesterday I drive to the alley, mm-hmm. and I walk in, and I don't have my glasses. Mm-hmm. They're in the car. So I go back out to the car. Now, I stumbled up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I stumbled up to the alley. I got barely got home. I had a gig yesterday, and when I, it was a long drive from Fairfield. By the time I got home, I stumbled into the house. I laid down for about half an hour, and then I struggled to get up, and I made my way to the alley. I go in, no glasses. Okay, I go back to my car. I go to grab my glasses, close the car, turn around, drop, and I look at this gutter, and I think, oh, oh no. that would be really fucked up if I drop my glasses there. And sh- I mean, my keys. My keys. Yeah. And sure enough, my keys go ching, oh, as if it were a magnet. <laughs> and down the gutter. Oh. And I look, and it's dark now, so you can't really see, and I try to use my phone, can't really see, but I heard it go chink. Mm-hmm. So I know it's down there somewhere. And what I can see is it's a, a shaft yeah. with a little ladder on the side. Yeah. The grate is larger than... You know, two mm-hmm. big human beings could pick up. It is heavy. Yeah. And it's got to be over 400 pounds. Mm-hmm. It's got to be. So I'm just staring and going, okay, what am I going to do about this? I just got to the alley. So where am I going? Mara's at a game. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in and sing. <laughs> because that's what I came to do. Yeah. And what else am I going to do? I'm going to have to make my way home. So I go inside. Mm-hmm. And I sit down, and I can't think, I don't want to sing Fly Me to the Moon. I don't want to sing the Beatles. I just am <laughs> not in the mood. And the guy um, throws uh, a Johnny Cash song at me. I walk the line. Of course. And I was like, okay, that felt good. That was good. And then I tried a bunch of songs that I don't normally do, and we did pretty well with them. And by the end, I was like, I was in a good mood. I actually wanted to stay longer. And I was like, no, I should go ahead and deal with my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I went, caught a bus, got home, went inside, got my spare keys. You have spare keys. Smart. Spare keys. Well, just the car key and my bike lock key. Yeah. Um, so I go home and get the keys, walk back up to the bus stop, <laughs> get back on the bus, go all the way up, get my car, drive home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> so I'm about to embark on an amazing adventure. I feel like I'm going to be Huck Finn or some crap. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go and see. I have a pole in my car, an extending pole. Oh, you I'm going to go to the dollar store and get some fishing line. Uh-huh. See if I can find some fishing hooks. Yeah. See if I can find a magnet, something. Yeah. And I'm going to go in and see. Yeah. I, I, was, I was thinking a coat hanger may do it. I don't know. This, the drop on this, and people can't see, but I'm like pointing to your ceiling. The yeah. drop on this is oh. easily six to eight feet. Yeah. Yeah. Be more than that. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, wow. But if I can see them, yeah, and I can get something to them, yeah, then maybe that's possible. We'll see what happens. So, yeah. oh, and I missed the one in the middle where the other day I thought I left my car keys at a gig, mm-hmm. but I have a hanger, yeah, <laughs> up under my bumper. So I pulled that out and I futzed around for a while and I finally popped it open, got in. Nope. And I thought, oh, the keys are in there on the seat. No, they're not. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I'm not going to go back upstairs. So I dumped my bag out on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And there were my keys wrapped up in something. So every time I shook the bag, I couldn't hear them. Yeah. It's just been that week. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, you know, I just the, the thought of, I know that you're not religious, but the thought of if something bad happens, hey, I'm just going to sing and just, you know, like positive energy. Just, you know, keep your energy positive. Right. And I can totally dig that. I, I, it's the place where... Atheists and and, mm-hmm. and believers should be able to agree yeah. that we live this life, yeah. and if you don't look forward and look up, you are just going to stumble. And mm-hmm. you know, if you're staring at the ground, life looks miserable. When yeah. you look up, mm-hmm. life looks a lot better. Yeah, I think so, Charlie. Um, not to get into your personal life, although we will get into a um, uh, origin story. Are you religious at all? Do you have a faith? 
are still going, we don't know if this is a hate crime. I'm like, really? what more evidence do you need? Exactly. Yeah, you know, there is an arc, overall arc. I mean, we have the guy who's the bomber who tried to, you know, send packages. Right. They finally caught him, Cesar uh, Sayog, I yeah. think. Um, we have that guy, uh, an alt-right guy, had all sorts of, you know, alt-right stuff painted on his van. But they're still saying they don't know that it's a hate crime. Which is crazy. Right. We have the, the Kroger shooter. We have this guy shooting Who up walked out of the store saying a white guy saw a white guy with a gun. Yes. Saw I him. I love the story, yeah. And <laughs> called out, hey, hey, you know, what's what's up? And he's like, don't, don't worry. worry. You white, are white. Don't shoot white. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> that's what he said. White, don't shoot white. And it's just, and of course we have Trump. Apparently he went to a rally. There was a CNN reporter there. And the people chanted, you know, CNN go home or right. CNN bad or whatever. Lock just, him up, lock him yeah, lock, yeah, lock, lock her up. up. Yeah, lock her up. Yeah. And, of course, you know, Trump is like, well, listen, I condemn the violence and, you know, we need to be, you know, calm. And it's the media's fault. That's the media's fault. Yeah. Which is crazy. Um, Charlie, what do you think about all of this? What's going on? I yeah. think it is pretty crazy. It's sick. And, and particularly talking and thinking as a playwright, mm-hmm. <laughs> how can we write a play that could possibly be as obscene right. in terms of its morality as what's happening in Washington well, right now? feel the same way. How can you write anything more absurd than yes. what we're seeing? I, 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 my, my day begins every day. I go out and I read. Say a little prayer. Then I read the New York Times and the local paper, and mm-hmm. and by the time I'm thoroughly depressed from right. from this, <laughs> what, what's going to happen next? Yeah. About that time, and I say, oh, um, well now, now what do I have to do? I got a life to live. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was going to ask you, Charlie, because um, for those who don't know, you know, Charlie, you're I'm not going to get your give your age, but I think. Aside from John Hutchinson, you weren't around when I interviewed John Hutchinson. Right. I think you're the only other one that we've had on the yay who is from the greatest generation. You know, we have the millennials. We have the baby boomers. No, Richard is a baby boomer? Not Richard. I, I, I meant John Hutchinson. No, 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 Richard Talavera? No, no, no. Hardest. Richard Harder? I think he's a boomer. Oh. Yeah. He was, born, he was born in the 30s. Yeah. yeah. But... You, you know, you lived during 19, the 1960s, and people say 1968 was the most volatile. Well, I think the 30s yeah, were the Great Depression. Yeah. But do you think that things are more volatile now, politically, socially, than it was, let's say, in the 60s? I really don't know. 
I think they're more warped now. Interesting. I think that we have learned, our president has taught us how to tell any effective lie. Mm-hmm. And the people have bought it because we need a big daddy in there that's going to do right. whatever it is yeah. that he says right. it is, even though it's not a really good idea. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Even that's though they agree <laughs> it's not a good idea. Yeah, yeah. they'll agree it's not a big but we need a leader. Yeah. And, and, and we are not, and the other thing that they say is we are not being heard. And that, I think, there's, there's truth there's, in that. There's truth in that, yeah, yes. Because yeah. the left, left, left has something, has his own reason yeah. why it didn't. There should be another term because there isn't the left. No, like there's every not. Time they That's hold, right. And have Thank people you. on, moderators and, and commentators on, and they say that from the left. They're not the left. There's a left. There is a real left. Yeah. These are not those people. These are the folks in suits. Yeah. That's well, not the left. There's a moderate left. I mean, there's a moderate, other moderate, moderate Democrat yeah. Party. And then you have, I mean, you're hearing a lot about progressives. Progressives are really, I think, you know, what you would call the real left. Like Bernie folks, or uh, even I, I would barely call that. I would say Bernie is a is a moderate left. Oh, you think really? so? Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah, he's he's grabbed onto the leftist issues. Yeah, but where he really comes down, you mm-hmm. know, for the most part, is much more. You know, like his whole military <coughs> and and pro gun stances. Oh, that is. I didn't know. I didn't know he's pro gun. That's not good. He has to be. Vermont believes in guns. Yeah, I guess so. But, you know, when I think about the 60s, I think about the fragmentation, especially after the death of Bobby Kennedy, mm-hmm. how the Democrat Party really didn't have one person who could be a leader. Right. I mean, 68, you had King being killed. You had Bobby Kennedy uh, being killed. Right. You had uh, – there were all sorts of right. marches riots and protests across, and riots. You know, fires across the yeah. And I'm wondering why we don't have that today, except that probably this is just too dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think we're getting close, and we do have it. We just don't have it. People aren't going downtown and burning. These crazies are going off on the edges sure. and attacking innocent yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. But I think about how loyal the Republican Party is. You brought it right, Charlie. I mean, the father, the ubiquitous father, who says something and everybody obeys as if they're children. Right. And I think about in '68, Nixon was that proverbial father, and everyone just lined up and you know marched. You know, to, towards Nixon, and he I also did the big lie. He was, you know, he was saying he was going to wind down the war. Yeah, in peace with honor. I think that was the, the, yeah. the thing. Yeah, and uh, I think Trump has sort of the same way. The child, the child of Nixon, the proverbial political child. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, but in any case, um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, I mean, let's, you know, let's at least acknowledge and honor these deaths. I mean, yeah, that's right. This, it's funny to see yet another headline and go, really? And just want to just wanna tune it out. Sure. And I had to stop myself and go, wait a minute, let me get... And, and the horrible thing is the way the news cycle is right now, they're reporting when they know almost nothing. Yeah. So you can't find out any details mm-hmm. on who who these people are or anything yet. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, there are families. There's a whole community. Mm-hmm. There's a whole community that's devastated and a larger community that is... Clearly under attack. Yeah. And what is our leadership going to do about it? Exactly. Yeah. Or, or, or our leadership is going to rewrite the law, essentially, <laughs> yeah. with, with tweets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I think about the migrants. I mean, you know, I've been reading. Yeah. So apparently, this migrant thing has been caravan. happening since the caravan, since October the 12th, when we began right. opening night for Foreman in Paris. And I had no re- understanding. 
So apparently it all began in Honduras and right. Venezuela. Right. Huh? Where uh, I guess there had always been caravans, but you know, with the age of Twitter and Facebook right. or whatever, now we know about it. Where I guess an activist in Honduras was like, "Listen, if you want to go to America, we're all meeting at a, a particular place. Let's go." Right. And that got tweeted and Snapchat and in, Instagram and right. all that stuff. A bunch of people came, went to another location. A bunch of other people came. Right. And now they're talking about, I guess, thousands of people yeah, thousands coming of people. to America. Yep. Now, the right, of course, is like, oh, my God, it's like World War Z, like a zombie invasion, as if, you know, this is horrible. These are asylum seekers. Exactly. Uh, What the hell? Yeah. And it's funny. sending troops Mm -hmm. against asylum seekers. And it's horrible. I mean, these folks just want a decent way of living. Yeah. Well, they want to get away from danger. Worse than that, we're taking the people who are here and who have have measured some kind of thing and actually the kind of people who actually made our country what it really is when you get down away from the the toxicity of what's emerging from uh, Washington these days. And there's a piece in the Playwright Center, uh, Appointment at Sonora, written by David Snyder. Yes, there is. Which was a finalist, and um, that's going to... It it talks about what we're talking about right right now, Mm -hmm. about... Uh, asylum seekers, um, I believe the two Mexican immigrants who come to America, mm-hmm. and they're having psychological dreams, nightmares about ICE right. and how it deals with the psyche of um, the Mexican. And I think what makes that a really interesting play yes. is that, that in that particular play, what the play is about, the real threat in the play mm-hmm. is about ill health on both of their parts. Oh, that's right. That's I, about that. I, should, yeah. oops, I shouldn't have said that's that. A, that's okay. Don't, don't no, come. No, 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 it's a great play. You want to come and see it. Yes, of course, of course. But it's, it's really about where is where is the wickedness? Where is where is the danger yeah. today? And but I think our plays need to be about danger today. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the great thing about that, and we had David Stein on as yeah. a guest of the A, but the great thing about that play is ICE sort of represents the Grim Reaper. Of course, the guy's uh, only dreaming yep. about it. Uh, but um, but it shows, I mean, you know, like in Foreman in Paris, we talk about the psyche, what racism does to the psyche of the black man. Mm-hmm. Here in, in, in uh, Appointment in Sonora, it talks about what, what this all does to the psyche of the Latino who mm-hmm. has to worry about. Um, and we talked about this last week right. with uh, Linda Amayo Hassan, who has Cheer, which is another play about an asylum seeker Who's already in America? Who does? Who realizes? Oh, wait a minute! I'm not an American citizen. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to see these plays focus so much on what's happening and how it affects people. Right. Yeah. So, um, okay, we've talked about current events. Oh, I did want to mention one last thing. What's that? Sears has closed for good. Are they finally really? officially yeah. gone? Does anyone have any nostalgia about Sears? <laughs> I just remember all kinds, you know, stores, going to the store, being allowed to go yeah. to the store, yeah. seeing those sorts of stores where you could wander around and there was a section, that section, the other thing. Mm-hmm. When we got to California, White Front mm-hmm. was a chain of stores in Southern California, mm-hmm. White Front, and it was just this huge thing, and I remember loving to go there, um, but as an adult, you know, at Sears, I've tried to go to Sears a number of times since oh, I've lived in Oakland, and if I can find what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. I feel lucky. More often than not, they either don't have it at all or it's <laughs> out of stock. Yeah. 
I think I, I remember as a kid we would go to Sears. I, I grew up in Washington D.C. and Sears would be on Chevy Chase, which is right across the Maryland border. And me and my mom would go to Sears, and I was reading that apparently Sears really revolutionized, I guess, the black experience, uh-huh. especially in the late '60s, early '70s, where you could go to a place where you can buy furniture or you can rent right. furniture, right? And and the appliances and all that stuff at a very cheap price, and I didn't realize that. But yeah, we would go all the time to you know buy things, buy a television set, and all that sort of stuff. Sears is was before Costco, exactly <laughs> before Walmart. Yeah, before all of it. Well, and it's weird being here in Oakland because yeah. over near where I am, yeah. there's a school now, but there used to be a Montgomery Ward distribution center, West Coast Distribution Center, hmm. and that building, you know that. That heyday started to go away a long time ago because that was back when they were doing things mostly by rail line. Yeah. Um, the building got held onto, so preservationists got involved, and it took years and years of court battles. Finally, they lost a last appeal at one point, and the city moved in immediately and tore that building down. Mm. And now it's not. It's a soccer field. Yeah. It's a school, a couple of schools. I yeah. Think. Um, but it's just weird to think at one point the big thing was traveling, sending goods by rail line. Mm-hmm. And that's when companies like that grew up because Penny's is also one of those. J.C. Penny. Yeah, that. where you, know, you, you got your catalog and yeah. you could look through and you could yeah. buy that way. And now we're back to it. You can go online and look at a catalog <laughs> and you can get it checked. Yeah, get on Amazon. I mean, Amazon supplied all of our supplies for uh, Foreman and Paris, all the prop props. Right. But, um, yeah, but no yeah, more Mo- brick and mortar. Brick and yeah, mortar. Montgomery Ward, Sears. Um, I can go on. I think there was Zales. I forget. Kmart. Kmart. Yeah, Kmart. Do you have any uh, warm memories of, I don't know, Sears? Or nostalgia or anything? Sears? Well, I, I, I would go to Sears. I, I would still go to Sears if we were around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, although I, I, I'm not always sure. I'm not always sure how to keep up with which stores I'm not supposed to go to. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And oh, there okay. are a few of those. An increasing number of, yeah. stores, <laughs> of stores. Right, exactly. Rich people keep doing crazier and crazier things. Yeah, oh. yeah. One last thing before we jump into an origin story with uh, Charlie Larigo. So it's Larry Go. Larry Go. Larry Go. Larry Go. Thank you so much. I've been pronouncing it wrong. So, and this gets into the the midterms, and the midterms are November six is when we vote. So, in the Oregon um, gubernatorial race, uh, you have Kate Brown, uh, Democrat, and I think her seat is very secure because Oregon is very blue against Newt uh, Baylor, Baylor, and it's fascinating because Newt Baylor. Is being funded by a um, the multimillionaire Phil Knight who runs Nike. Oh, okay. And it's odd because I'm like, okay, so you're funding a Republican, but yet you're also providing money to Colin Kaepernick. Kaepernick. Yes, that, yes, how did that work out? That's strange. I mean, it blows my mind. <laughs> is it possible that we are in the age of great insanity? <laughs> is that, ever, is that yeah. our new age? Yeah. We can look back on this if he's any insane yeah. here. We, we don't trust our systems yeah. anymore, so anybody with a good game mm-hmm. gets gets attention. And yeah. what, we, what we we're learning to do is also not to trust our law either because it will be used yeah. uh, only by a few people who have a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So if you don't have thoughts about that, uh, one uh, another last thing, which deals with Kaepernick. So an interesting thing happened. I watch football. I'm a big NFL fan. Right. So the Panthers played the Giants last week. Uh-huh. And before the coin toss, there was a little scuffle between players, which usually happens. But this had a political tone. So Eric Reed, 
uh, actually, oh, Malcolm, right. Ma- Malcolm Jenkins, this is Eric Reed Malcolm Jenkins thing. So Malcolm Jenkins runs the, he is a member of the NFL Players Association, mm-hmm. and, they've been in, and they've been in talks with the owners right. to try to reconcile this Kaepernick uh, protesting anthem, anthem thing. thing. Yes. And the owners and Malcolm Jenkins uh, got into an agreement. It's like, listen, we'll pay you, I think it's like $900 million to whatever cause you want. Mm-hmm. The quid pro quo is don't protest. Keep your knees off the ground. Right. You know, salute to the flag, or at least don't do anything in front of the camera. Right. And, and you know, uh, Malcolm Jenkins said, yeah, you got it. I'll take the money. Sure. Reed, who is very good friends with Kaepernick, was like, no, 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 you're selling him out. Right. We've got to protest. There's nothing wrong with protesting against police brutality. Right. And we're not going to, you know, we're not going to be bought out. Right. Well, obviously, Reed is not a member of the police association and walked out of it. So they got into a scuffle, and basically, he basically called him an Uncle John. I mean, he basically just, you know, called him out. So that was fascinating how, you know, politics can, you know, sort of bleed in and stuff. So um, that's something to monitor. Well, I love it because they try to say take the politics out of it, but you're playing the national anthem. There's nothing more political than that act. Yeah. So... And you want to take that out of the mix. Mm-hmm. And that is freedom of speech. I understand that the NFL is a private organization, but no, I've never worked at a job where they've said, hey, listen, we're paying you to keep your mouth shut. Mm-hmm. We're paying you to, you know, be, behave, be a good boy. That's, and that's what they're saying, yeah. yeah. And we have a lot of money, enough money to do that. Yeah, unfortunately. They yeah. Do. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Charlie. I'm waiting for my next million dollar contract, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> if you're out there somewhere and you've got a lot of money, sure. I'll shut up for you. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Not for long. <laughs> let me ask you this, Charlie. If someone were to pay you, I don't know, a million dollars or whatever to write a play or whatever, but keep it politically correct, don't speak your mind, speak what we want you to speak, would you take it? Well, let me ask you to consider what would happen, because this is a much more realistic thing. You mentioned this, or you took this twist here, or you have this character here, and we don't do those characters anymore. Do you want your play done or not? Right. Hello? Right. (laughs) And that's a constant comment. (laughs) It's a constant wrestling match that I I think plays right right now. We've we've had to go through that. Like the profanity in Foreman and Paris. Corinne was like, listen, you know, we're in Hayward, and, you know, these folks don't like the, and woo, you got a gay scene. Hmm." Well, what's funny to me is I I just did, uh, I taught a class talking uh, basically intro to Shakespeare and specifically The Tempest. And I also this week, I had an article I was cleaning up around my bed, and I had this article that's been sitting by my bedside, untouched for, mm-hmm. for months, yeah. and it's called The Power of Limitations. Mm-hmm. And I read the article, and I, I'm not going to throw it away, but I am going to file it now, because I, it doesn't tell me what I don't already know. Limitations can sometimes be the most um, motivating force towards finding creative solutions. Mm-hmm. So I feel like with four men, we were pushed in a way that made us go, okay, this is where we're going to dig our heels in and say, no, we want to keep this. This is stuff where we can be more flexible, and let's see how we can be more flexible. Sure. And it was funny because I, whenever I teach Shakespeare, whenever I teach intro to Shakespeare, I talk about, you know, the plays fall into four categories. What are the four categories? And we go through the whole thing. Usually the last category that they come up with is history. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, it's funny when we talk about history because Richard III, which technically is a tragedy, but it's based on a historical figure. Well, that historical figure was the king. Shakespeare makes him this literally twisted figure, twisted evil figure. 
History doesn't call him that. And in, in fact, history claims that he was one of England's greatest warrior kings, that he was a monster on the battlefield. So he could not have been this crippled, gnarled hunchback mm-hmm. and been that, you know. He, <clears throat> so where's the truth? Yeah. Well, the truth is Queen Elizabeth's family is the winning side. The, the folks that kill Richard, that's... Mm-hmm. Right. So those are the tutors. Elizabeth is the yeah. descendant of that. Yeah. So who's paying? And I always tell the kids, if I was going to say, you're gonna, I'm going to pay you $500 to write a play about Obama. You're going to write a play about a hero or are you going to write a play about a failed man? And, you know, and the kids will start to get hot and argue about it. And I said, okay, wait a minute. Let, let me, full disclosure, I'm from the Trump administration and I want to pay you to write a play about Obama. What play do you think I want you to write? Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a great point. <laughs> Charlie Larigo, um, you are a playwright, and um, you are now, I, I think you are the, the shepherd, I, I would say, of the Playwright Center. There must be well, a I actually, actually I, I, yes, I have a official title. I am the production director, okay. which means that if we're going to put it on stage or do something with it, I'm going to be involved with it somehow. There you go. And, and it doesn't mean I'm directing. It doesn't mean I'm writing. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm but, but nothing, but trying to be an actor. That sounds like a great <laughs> job. But nothing happens without going through you first, right? And no, a lot of things happen without going through me, and for good reason. I hear you. But we, but, we, but we do. We, we do have... What we're trying to do as a board, we're trying to just overlook and make sure that we've got a lot of things balanced. Right. And that's what our job is, and making sure that we've got room for other people to come in and Mm -hmm. do things as well. Fantastic. How did you begin? That's a a wrestling match, though. Of course, of course. But how did you begin in theater? I mean, uh, were you in theater when you grew up? You grew up in Kansas, Missouri, right? No, I grew up in Kansas and Missouri and then moved to Alabama and Georgia. Ooh, and then went to the West Coast, East Coast uh, uh, and then came out here later. Uh, uh, but um, When did theater get in there? Well, see, theater, I don't know, theater's always been there. Oh, <laughs> it came out of the woods. But, but we didn't go to, I don't, don't remember going to shows. And okay. I certainly don't remember even trying to write a play until about, oh, 19, about 20, 2000. What is, how long ago is that? Almost 20 years. That's what, 20, years gosh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Time flies, right? Time flies. Yeah. I started to begin, I said, look, um, I, I was a preacher at the time, at, at, at the moment. Wow. Uh, and I was preaching on Sunday mornings. We, we, we have a good, good, uh, not, not the other kind of religion that Mr. Trump would like to be in, uh-huh. not kind of Trump church he'd like to go to. essentially what a playwright does, which is to rewrite 
the history, to make it real, to make it real in a way that makes you feel something, that makes you connected with it, that makes you see where this is going to lead you and how this is going to lead you. Uh, And I said, and so what I want to do, we're going to start doing some things differently. We're going to talk about even some, I have one of the first plays that I got done, Mm -hmm. um, not in my church, (laughs) but, but one of the first plays that I got done was a play about Jesus and she comes back. Mm. Uh, <laughs> she's got more work to do. <laughs> wow. uh, and this, of course, confuses the quote-unquote pastor. Right. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so that's that's the rest thing that you really turn characters. I don't do that with with classical characters. Mm-hmm. I have a play about Pasiphae, who's a Greek queen, uh-huh. who in history was who in history was the one who actually was. The leader of the Minoan civilization about three thousand oh, years okay. ago, yeah. and her, and she in myth became the mother of the Minotaur, uh-huh. yeah. and so she was the wicked mother, right. and the Minotaur was the wicked creature. And I said, let's look at this. What another possibility would be? What if the Minotaur is something other than wicked, and what if the mother? loves him. Mm-hmm. And how does the mother deal with the wicked right. king who actually is the one who in the midst of the right. story mm-hmm. wins the battle. Right. I said, let's change that. Yeah. How do you make this not a man's story but a woman's story? Now here's here's a quick question, Charlie. Uh, yeah. because prior to even prior to you being involved in religion, even prior to you coming to the West Coast, you were a reporter. You were. I am a journalist at heart. Yeah. I want and that's what makes it very dangerous for me to do plays because I want to tell you what's happening, uh-huh. uh, and not. Mm-hmm. I don't. <laughs> and I just let me just explain it to you. That's what I'm doing. This uh-huh. is what's happening. Sure. And no, I no, I want you to enter this space with me. Yeah. And that's and then that's so I was doing it informationally, yeah. but in the play, it's got to it's got to have it's got to have a cost. Yeah, it's got now, to have a cost. Now you and I were talking off mic about your experience in Alabama. You went to the University of Alabama right. in 1957. Is that right? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and you knew. I don't know if you knew, but you were you. I guess you knew about the first woman who integrated. I I went to sc- I went to, I entered school. The semester after she was there, uh-huh. and and she, what I didn't know is that she had to leave actually because it became too dangerous for right. her. They had to have somebody. And now, last time I last time I heard, she's I think she's still alive in New Zealand. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Author wow. Lucy. That's a different. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And what a, what a shame. I mean, it's wonderful that she's still alive, but what a shame that she felt that she had to find her peace away from America. Well, she did come back, and actually, they they, they finally. Got it. So there is there there is now a scholarship. I think in her name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So she did. So it eventually makes a change. Right. Eventually, but that's the way racism works. Right. We'll, we'll let you do a little eventuality. Right. Sure. <laughs> just wait. But I mean, you were right there during the time of George. I was. My father got run out of town. Yeah. Oh, wow. My pastor got run out of town. Um, and. Um, yeah. So. Um, but I, I guess the question, and I know we'll get into theater, but 
you know, you guys grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. You went to, you know, you... Those are states to Alabama. <laughs> of course. Of course. Basically. Right. But you guys were not affected by racism at all. I mean, was there a protective... No, because we were white. Right. <laughs> 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 you see, we well, don't know how we're yeah. affected. Well, we're protected by racist thoughts. I mean, you could have been, you could have been, you know, just as antebellum Southern yeah. as, as some of your I, neighbors were. I would read the paper when I was a kid. Yeah. I would read the paper, and when I'd see what was happening, because they had, you know, we took pictures of the dogs on the street and so uh-huh. forth. And so, I just got so angry. I threw it across. This is not America. This is not America. This can't be happening. Well, yeah. it uh-huh. is happening. Right. And then one day I get a call when I'm in my dormitory at the uh, University of Alabama, mm-hmm. and my mother says, be outside your dormitory. Uh, now we're coming to get you, and your brother, your young brother, is being sent to New York. Mm-hmm. Um your father me had a little engagement. <laughs> uh, oh, no, with the Southerners. Your father was a doctor, wasn't he? No, my father was, he was the hospital administrator. Okay. Uh, okay. My grandfather was the doctor. Yeah, because you told me, this is also off mic, that your father, I guess, there was a black man who walked into yes. uh, a white woman's He was cleaning the, 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 the laboratory and Apparently he walked walked in while a woman was while a white woman was in the laboratory. Okay. Uh, and she complained, and they came and, and so somebody brought it to the hospital administrator because of course, you know the white leader will have to right. go take care of this, right? Uh, and he said to her, "Well, you know, do you think it might have been a mistake? You know that he didn't really mm-hmm. creep in to look?" And she said. Yeah, I mean, she was she was a good racist, like like most people are. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say it was bad. It right. says, do you, do you want her? Do you want anyone him to be fired? And she, like a good racist, said, Oh no, we would never do that. Uh-huh. And she said, Okay, so we'll not fire him. The next day, he started getting phone calls. Uh-huh. <laughs> Your dad, yeah, my dad, yeah. And, and I forget how long it was before they actually yeah. um, made the rest of the machinery wind yeah. him up. And chase him out of town. But I know he was, he, I, first, it was the first time I'd ever seen my father driving a car, and he was scared looking over his shoulder. Wow. And I wow. Said, That's amazing. And I didn't yeah. do that. When I was at the University of Alabama, we were looking out, looking for ways to go out and pull down the Klan side at the end of town. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But that's, um, we decided not to do that because we saw a car with people within it that seemed to be waiting, waiting for somebody yeah. to try something oh, like that. God. So I was, I was, I thought I was impervious. And I knew that we were in deep, deep trouble. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. But you got out of it. Yeah, we got out of my, my parents left town. And yeah. I, I finished. My, I got my degree from the university in, oh, great. in, uh, in journalism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I went to write later on. <laughs> You know, I was just thinking about journalism because in 1957 we had Edward R. Murrow. This is really the beginning of Edward R. Murrow. Was, 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 was my hero? Yes, he was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And people, we don't have anybody like that today. No. 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 And we don't have the environment in which it is because the system is so so large mm-hmm. and so controlled. I think mm-hmm. by other interests. Right. That. You know, it's it's right. The investigative journalists that we have are not getting their stories up to that right. level, and the people who are up at the upper level, yeah, aren't doing anything. Well, there's the monetization of journalism. I mean, even in the wonderful, there's wonderful um, um, 
movie, uh, Good Night and Good Luck, which is the story of Edward R. Murrow. And it talks about how Paley, who was the president of CBS, basically says, listen, our advertisers don't want you to attack uh, McCarthy anymore. You're not making any money, so stop doing it. So it was really the first time that money got in the way. And now it's it's totally, you know, It's not just money. It's yeah. power. Yeah. Because uh-huh. you know when you're a journalist. I knew when I was a journalist I was writing for 250,000 people. Right. Or more than that if I was, when I was working for a news agency. Sure. Uh, and I said, yeah, this is my this is this is the kind of pulpit mm-hmm. <laughs> I like, yeah. to, like mm-hmm. to have because it tells you the story of something that you're not going to know otherwise. Right, and that's why I'm here. Thank you, um, mm-hmm. and um, that's why there are not that many of us. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. So you, did, so you so your first step into theater was going in as a writer. Uh, my first step in theater was, was when I was a pastor, and I said, we need to decolonize this, uh-huh. the story. And so we started writing stories about that. Right. And then I said, I don't know what I'm doing as a playwright. I'm just, just make, making nice little stories and fun little stories, and they have a nice point of view. And I said, I think I'd better learn something. So I started studying, and I studied with everybody. I studied oh, with wow. everybody. I went to the Berkeley Rep and... Uh-huh. Study with most of the known names around here that oh. that teach theater and so mm-hmm. forth, and say, oh, yeah, there are things you there is a there is a way of writing a play. You know, you want to make sure that you have a concept with you, and want to make sure you have characters that want something, and they're going to go get it, and they're yeah. going to get it largely by talking to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you understand about objectives. <laughs> Objective and stakes and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. How did you get involved with the Playwright Center? It sounds like that was the Playwright Center was was after I'd been involved with that after I'd been doing that for a little while and yeah. I, I I had retired at that time mm-hmm. and I came back here and said well, what where, where do I want to go next in life and I said mm-hmm. I really want to spend I want to do this theater stuff I want to write plays yeah. I want to be involved with plays I want to be and what I really want to do I want to be involved with the theater community uh-huh. for me theater is a living entity. Yeah. It's not a bunch of rules on a paper. Right. It's not the paper that you have. Right. And the play is not a play until it's got an audience. Yeah. At that point. And that to me is has always been whenever I've had a play done, right. I said, Oh my God, this is what I've written. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and this is this is why, and I and I watch actors, and I, I watch and listen to how uh, directors will direct. Well, I do do sure. a little directing, but I listen to how they how they do that, and how they and, that, and look at that relationship. That's relationship. Mm-hmm. That's what the theater. Yeah, is, to me, is the heart yeah. of theater. Thump, 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 exactly. Thump. Let me ask you this: Had Have you worked with another theater company other than the Playwright Center? Oh, I've, 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 I've had, uh, I was with something called Play, um, uh, Play Cafe. And, and That's right. I work with that. With that yes, you did. And, uh, yeah. you're, still, you're still in, both of you are still involved in that. Yes, you're, you're doing that now. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm supposed to. Yes. <laughs> oh, whoops. Did I mention something? Oh, 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 I got an email saying, oh, are you available for this? And I'm like, uh, I hadn't responded because I've been, everything else this week has just been crazy. Sure, sure. But, yes, we definitely involved. And, this, and that's the wonderful thing about what's happening now. There's so many um, communities and venues where you can submit things. This is exciting. This is an exciting time because every time I turn around, I said, every time I think we've, we've got, we've got, we've done, we've done 100 and 
70-plus scripts uh-huh. in this past year, just in this past oh, year. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, that's a lot of that's a lot of, lot of plays in right. process. Mm-hmm. We're not, we, Playwright <laughs> Center, is not really a, a theater company. Uh-huh. We are a playwright development group. Sure. And that's why we can do 180 mm-hmm. things and help people get their things. And then we will do, we do do the, the, the play that, that we're doing right now is called The Playoffs. Right. We've, we've talked a little bit about sure. some of what's in it and so mm-hmm. forth. That's, that's the kind of thing that we do. And we do another thing, which I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm excited about working because we've got a lot of different opportunities. Yeah. We've, got, we've got a 24-hour play fest where yeah. you walk in and I think uh, you I've not done it. You've no. not done it? Have you done it? No, not yet. No, you walk in Friday night you or Saturday night, whatever the night, whatever mm-hmm. the night we start. You walk in Friday night, they draw your name out of a hat, they draw the number of characters going to be in your play out right. of a hat, they draw the persons who are going to play the name out of a hat, right. they're going, they draw, th- they give you three, they, they draw three words, three lines that have to be in the play, oh, and right. something yes, the yes, play's yes. got to be about, right. and that comes out of a hat, you get a chance to talk with your, and you get a, you draw a director out of a hat, and the director and you, the, uh, the playwright, mm-hmm. and, the, and, the, and the actors get a chance to sit down and talk with each other for about an hour or so. Where are you coming from? How do you right. work? What is your, you know, who are you as a person? Yeah. Who are you as a play, as a play, as, mm-hmm. a, as an actor? Yeah. And then at 9 o'clock, you go home and you write. And at 6 o'clock the next morning or else, mm-hmm. you will turn in a page play which you give to a director and then get out of his or her way. <laughs> yeah, wow. Very, very um, cool. That's a cool, that's really yeah. a great yeah. exercise. You know, it's very cool. We've had on the EA, we've had Bon Scott Bear, we've had yes. uh, Bridget Dutta Portman, mm-hmm. we've had Lisa Kong, mm-hmm. uh, we've even had actors. Uh, also, we've had David Stein. And those are four individuals who all said, we have a, we're playwrights, we're new budding playwrights, or we're just working on a piece and we want to he- get it heard. And we, there was one venue that we went to, and that's the Playwright Center. I was talking to someone at Ambrosio almost near the beginning of, 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 uh, of, of, I can't find anybody really, except I think I mentioned he wanted to, I was told just today yeah. that one of the original founders of the Playwright uh, Center was a retired cab driver. And yeah, he said, we got to do it. And what were you doing? You were doing it because you ha- want to have a play to have your play done, to have your play work with, because you don't know the, I, I think, mm-hmm. in, in a way, yeah. the, the playwright doesn't really know the play until he sees sure, how sure. it's Absolutely. done. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's what you... <laughs> so the Playwright Center focuses on local writers? Oh, that's, that's what we do. We Great. are, we, we've... We are that mm-hmm. the way, and and we've we've got all these different different ways. If I can, mm-hmm. so 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 what we do every every two weeks, mm-hmm. for the most part, we have scene nights. We bring in four actors. Right. Uh, they go in. They sit down. We bring in anywhere from six to twelve playwrights who have ten pages in their hand. Right. The playwrights give to the actors that they pick. Right. The script. And. They do the best they can with it. Sure. And that, that's, uh, and mm-hmm. actors that I know say, yeah, that's a good exercise. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a good, but 
David Stein do it, Kim Donovan, that's yeah, the best I've ever met her. David, uh, David, yeah, most of the actors that I use, I find through play, through, through, uh, through the, uh, Scene nights. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, I hire these people. So, uh-huh. And I want to hire some good people. And we want to keep some of the same people because they're very good at it. Right. Uh, then the other thing that we have is we have that 24-hour play fest that sure. I just talked to you about. Then we have a reading series in which you submit plays to a group of, quote-unquote, unknown. Uh-huh. Uh, they're, they're actually members of the group. But we, don't tell, we don't say who they are. Sure. And you don't put your name on, on the script. Oh. You just you just stand in the script, and uh-huh. they will two two of them will read your script. Now this you have to pay for. It. You yeah. we call it the dramaturgy. Sure. This you would have to pay for. Otherwise, we do it for our members mm-hmm. free, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they decide whether or not this play needs to get a what we call a developmental read, which sure. is just basically a cold read. You, you mm-hmm. get to play a week a week ahead of time, and you mm-hmm. can study it, and then you come in and you do it on, on the day of. Mm-hmm. Or you or we'll give you a stage read, which is for us means uh, you have it, and you have three rehearsals and a director. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's another option. You get that. Our members get that uh-huh. for free. Uh, except, well, they not totally free because they have to pay for... for Renting the the uh, renting the uh, mm-hmm. the space yeah. the space to, to do it in. And you know, he has worked out of the Shelton Theater. Is that correct? We do a lot of work at the Shelton Theater. We use other theaters okay. when necessary to. Yeah. And so yeah, I think I when I first met the Playwrights Center, I think they were out at the uh, Blue Bear. Yes, that's where it started. It, was, it yes. started at the Blue Bear. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, in down in Fort Mason. Mm-hmm. And then we have then we have this Playoff Center, which has now become this year we had twenty seven. Right. Playwrights, right. each of them doing something that was done as a stage read. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. I mean, where else can you go but you get somebody, and you're not paying a dime for this as you hear a playwright. Oh, for the writers. They're not no, they're, right. they're, they're not. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so... That's those are the kind of things that we do, and then we've had, we've had master classes. We've had people that came in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, really. We've had Lauren Gunderson, who's yeah. probably one of the most, most produced in the in America right now. Yeah, she's and I was talking to a mutual friend of ours whose name I won't mention here. Okay, but says one of the reasons why I why I like to come to the Playwright Center, I'm going to hear feedback from people who are getting their plays done. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what you want. You want to have. You want to have feedback. I don't want. I don't want somebody else that walks off the street. I want somebody who knows what they've been doing. Knows what the process is. I had a question business-wise. I mean, how does how does it how do you guys work business-wise? I mean, I I imagine there's a monthly fee or there's a fee. There is. I don't. I don't mind saying that. We charge sixty dollars for a year, and you get all of the benefits I just told you. Uh Send in your mode right now. We're at the Playwright Center SF. Dot org. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll have yeah. a plug in. Join us, and, yeah. and, and we also give you a weekly newsletter. Yeah. Yeah. And so connections to other plays that are not even in this country, because a lot, most of the people who are in, who are really serious about doing, doing mm-hmm. writing plays for us, yeah. uh-huh. are having to send their plays out, and I. Of course they do. They, yeah. they, they're spending five days a week <laughs> selling their plays. I, I, I find I often deal with um, newer playwrights. And 
it's obvious you do all this work and then you get this positive feedback and you think, well, now my play will, like a like a fledgling, will take off and spread wings and go off on its own. Like, no, 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 you've got to carry it everywhere. Yeah, yeah, you've got to yeah, introduce you it around. You've got to beg for people to even pay attention to you. Yes, and then you have to pay some money usually. And you often do. So to get people to understand this is just a step in the process. It's an important step. Yeah, Development yeah. is a huge step. But it's, that's what it is. That next step, that's that's a whole different animal. Yeah, and what I like about Playwright Center is that it combine, combines the actual doing of a play, mm-hmm. you know, and, in, involved with that. And that's, that's, that's really important. Um, right. I think so. Well, yeah, and that's funny. It's something I think we started talking about oh, wait, before well, we got well, our oh, mic. Oh, let me, let me, let me just add this one thing. This is new for us this year. We, we, we charge $60 for the year and for years membership. That's mm-hmm. a normal person. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, you are under th- if you are under 30, mm-hmm. we want younger persons. We realize that age makes a difference in terms right. of who's doing the writing, right. who's doing the acting, yeah. who's doing the directing. Age is a factor, just right. like race is a factor sure. uh, in terms of who's going to be doing, mm-hmm. <laughs> doing this. Uh, we, we charge you only $40 a year if you're under 30. We want some of these new people who are coming along, and there are a lot of them. We, we get, you know, that's the exciting thing. I was talking to uh, Rod McCatton, who's, 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 been, who's been the um, leader of our, of our group for um, about eight years. I think he's about to his eighth year as, as, oh. as chief executive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and he, I was saying, how do you, you know, so he was telling us where we get the money, and I sure. said, so one of the things is we get it only about 40% of what we do comes in from, from, from the, the dollars. From, no, from the dollars. Oh. And then our, our membership provides about 35 to 40% mm-hmm. of what okay. it is, and then, and, then, then, and then we have to go for the rest of it. No, excuse me, it's the other way around. About 15% of what we get is, uh, is we have about 85 members right now. Uh-huh. And each of us paying sixty dollars. So right. that, that's our budget for the year. Sure. And then we have to go out and find somebody else. So if anybody out there wants to really support our good efforts, they can mm-hmm. t- t- send us money, which which we will be able to figure out a way of using. Yeah, but it sounds like the business model is working. I mean, you know, you guys are self-funded. We we uh, we yes we we do we don't have to we don't have to go we don't actually don't we always. Every board meeting I've been in for the last <laughs> last years, uh-huh. uh, we talk about we need to have somebody who's a development person, and we really be right. need to get get some big money. But then we realize that's not what we're about. We're oh, not yeah. a production group. Right. We're a development group, sure. and that's where we're going to put our energies. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of the advantages of of being there. Mm-hmm. But development meaning developing plays, developing, as to de- developing de- no developing. Funding. De- developing funding, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what we don't we we don't don't do as much because that's that's hard to work. It is, and it's a special kind of work. And it's amazing those people who actually have a facility for it when they get involved in theater. It's great that that's gold when you find somebody like that. It is gold. I used yeah. to have I used to I used to be very involved in the communal movement when I was on the East Coast, mm-hmm. and uh, one of one of my communal buddies. Uh-huh. Um, his father was the chairman of of um, of Time Magazine. Uh-huh. Oh wow! <laughs> and um, uh-huh. and he would walk in, and he was the one to go in and ask money. And I said, "How do you do that? How do you get people to give you?" Money? I said, "The 
doesn't have anything to do with the fact that your father is chairperson of time. No, he said, it has to do with, this is what I do. I'm good at it, and what you're going to do for me is good for you. Uh-huh. They understand money in a way that those of us who are less uh, equipped in that department oh, yeah. do it. Yeah, and, and that's that, and that's it's a real it's a real mindset. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's an important part of theater that we don't think about. I mean, we think about the artistic part of it, but then there's the financial part of it, which you know supports. Well, the like I mentioned do. before, the power of limitations, and it's mm-hmm. one of those factors that just makes you go, oh, I wanted to have this scene where people came flying out of a refrigerator. Instead, <laughs> 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 we're going to just do this. Yeah. 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 Often you end up coming to, what is the essence? What is it that you're wanting to do to affect the audience? How are you wanting to affect the audience? Is there another way to do it? We had our, our death of Richard Wright. Um, the way Reg wrote it made it sound like there was like this whirlwind, this tornado of, um, paper. of paper. And try as we try as we might, we, we just couldn't do it. We, you know, <laughs> I remember one night we were working on it. I saw one little sheet of paper kind of flip up, barely above the rail. We tried to blow it, blow yeah. it from uh, a bomb. Uh, the DMT has a wonderful vomitorium, bomb area, right. where uh, you can enter and exit. We tried to put a great big fan to blow the, the paper up. But oh, really? I tell you, we got an education on how paper how paper is constructed these days. Well, and also <laughs> how a vacuum works because yeah. the way that staircase was constructed, <laughs> the fan was in the wrong place. It just sucked the paper. The, yeah. the, all that movement of air just took all the paper and sucked it back behind. Yeah. It was it was ridiculous. Yeah, but every, you, know, you go ahead. Every every once in a while, I go back to go to New York because yeah. that's where you see that's where. The money is. <laughs> right, yeah, right. And I remember going to see him in Funhouse. And oh, in, fun, in, in Funhouse, in the circle in the square, they moved a grand piano from this part of the stage over to the other part of the stage underground. Uh, that, that I don't know how they did that, but they did. <laughs> uh, wow. And I said, oh, God, that's, what, that's the way it's supposed to work. But <laughs> I think it involves a lot of money that's and a heck of a lot of well, even people, then, people oh, who know sure. yes. you're so paid for people who yeah. actually are. understand yeah. how to make that happen safely. You, you are. You mentioned, Charlie, about young people coming into the Playwright Center. But what about older people? You wanted to talk about um, just, you know, there is, of course, there's racism. Of course, there's sexism. And we talk about sexism mm-hmm. in theater. Um, we've had a couple of people. Uh, I remember one, I think Carolyn Doyle, uh, who was a guest had talked about what it is being an older woman coming in as an actor and some of the 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 the, um, the prejudices that happen right. for older people. Right. Have you have you experienced that or have, have we you experienced that? Do we worry about that? Yes. Uh, let me tell you something that uh, I won't. I'm not going to identify the playwright or the play mm-hmm. in, involved in it, but it was a play which was written um, by the playwright, uh-huh. and it was her intention. That, that, that the two characters would, would be in their 70s plus. Now, sure. first of all, we have to define actually what's old. Right. Okay. 70 is old for some people. 60 is old for some people. Right. And then there are those who must have come from a different planet. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. um, who thinks 50 and 40 are old. Uh, yeah, who thinks 50, 40 and 50. People, and, we, yeah. Yeah, and we know that there are those young people out there. Right. And we know, I mean, I when I sit down to write a play, I say, 
do I want to get this play done somewhere? Do I want to write about? Do I want to write about somebody who's old, who's living a person, living wrestling with the things that older person has to do? Mm-hmm. Or do I want to get this play done? Right. <laughs> and I, I realized that, and so I, 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 I talked to this this playwright that I was talking about, and she said, you know, I wanted that to happen. I said, you didn't give us. Give me the person. The persons were old. They were, oh, they were, they were, they were under sixty. Yeah. And and I said, Did, there and we there were a couple of lines in the play which would make clear that they, but they weren't clearly. That wasn't just the old sure. question. You know, they, they weren't identified that way. But she said, it would have been different. Me, it would have been a little different because I intended it a little. Different. And that's where the playwright, I think, always is wrestling with. With, with the reality of right. the play process. Sure. You know, we have to deal with a little bit of that. But old old yeah. is not, not, it's not a good sure. thing, but we live in youth, and youth culture. Well, of course. You, you and, you and I, I'm looking at the two of us. Uh, yeah. Well, well young, young, young gentlemen, <laughs> are, but am I right? <laughs> I'm about to be 50 next year. So. Uh, <laughs> we have to deal with that with foreign in Paris. I mean, Richard Wright is, I believe, 60 years old when he dies. No, let's see, 1908. 1960, yeah, so 52. 52 yeah. Okay. And, of course, Barry, who did it, is, I think, uh, not even 40 years old. Very yeah, important. But I, I was concerned as a playwright, do you have the gravity, do you have the right. weight yes. of yes. the character? Right. I mean, I played I played Martin Luther King Jr. King died before he was 40 years old, I believe. Right. Yeah. So... Um, and it's about, you know, what can you bring? I mean, there, I think about King Lear. I'm sure there are people who played King Lear who are not as old right. as that. Oh, I'm sure there are. Well, it's when we get into this issue of not so much the issue of ageism, because that is an issue in mm-hmm. our culture, mm-hmm. but what do you bring to the stage? And yes. what I find fascinating is when you can take a story, maybe even a recognizable story, and you use some factor like that. When these characters suddenly become older people, Having this discussion, does that bring something new to the story? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there's ageism where, let's say, you walk into a, an audition, and, and they may like tell you, tell oh, you yeah. in your face, but it's like, well, yeah. you're, you're just too old, you know. Yep. You need to forget about that. Well, and then I've been on that side of the table a, sure. a number of times where I'm like, well, I love so-and-so, but... And you're good, but... <laughs> well, and I know I'm... In my mind, I'm remembering what he looked like 10 years ago, and he's 10 years older. And I'm like, oh, that is not what I was looking for. And then I have to ask myself, how important is it to the story? Because that's, with four men, we ran that for all the characters. Mm -hmm. There's the image of who is this historical person. And then there's really the, the question of what do they do? What is their function in the story? I know, I know. One of the, I, I, I do try to hire older persons, mm-hmm. uh, too. And one, one of the things that I realize is because you, they, 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 they really know their art. Oh. <laughs> the oh, ones I hire will. Yeah. Uh, and one of the great things about the Playwright Center, I mean, I've, I've, been, I've participated in the playoffs, and you guys do a very good job in diversity, also age diversity, like working with, oh, I forget the, the older actress, but uh, she does fantastic work, and also Richard Wenzel. I think believe that's his name, mm-hmm. but also you hire actresses who are sort of middle aged, like me, and um, I'm not going to mention the female's name, but also young, young uh-huh. actresses like Janice Rumshaw and um, Eli, I forget uh, the Filipino uh, actor, uh, and Luel Senores. 
uh, he participated in that. Yeah. yeah. So I think you guys do a fantastic job, and I think since you do the hiring, we, we do try. We do try to do that. I, I don't always. I'm not. I'm not the only person that hires. Person yeah. there. there's, a, 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 there's too much for me for, for any one person to do. So I. Yeah. We 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 share who's 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 producing and so right. forth. Yeah. Um, let's get into shout-outs, because I think we're past the hour mark. I'm, I'm sure we are. Yeah. <laughs> Birthdays. And then we'll get into plugging shows. Go ahead. Um, today's birthday is Aaron Wilton, a wonderful actor who was the rep, the local rep for um, the equity rep for – he wasn't an employee of equity. He was a member just mm-hmm. representing for the eight local folks, which is great. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, speaking of older, is uh, Carlos Barone, actor, director, um, educator. Uh, he was teaching at San Francisco State, and he's retired now, but he's still doing projects. His name keeps coming up, mm-hmm. and I, I love hearing that. And Evie Abat, who is a young Filipina actress. Okay. Um, wow. Do I know, uh, when was that on? That must have been. No, that's today. James Carpenter. <laughs> Hallelujah. Again, speaking of older actors, James mm-hmm. Carpenter is like that top in the top five Bay Area actors. He's just amazing. Yeah. Um, Richard Side, who people may know because he does a lot of uh, actor training mm-hmm. between here and L.A. I didn't know. He's going to be 71 years old. Wow. Wow. Um, Andy, Andy Trindle, mm-hmm. who was uh, one of the founders of Second Wave uh, mm-hmm. Theater. And I'm not sure if she kept that name or not. She and um, Ian were together. Oh, okay. And one of them took Second Wind and one of them took mm-hmm. changed an, a, a new name. Yeah. Heidi Gaddy, Heidi Hernandez Gaddy, mm-hmm. who is a producer, um, does musicals, which I find always amazing. When you can produce musicals on a small budget, you are an amazing Whoa. person. <laughs> yeah. Molly Noble uh, is <laughs> a, a director, actress, and um, Teaches up at the College of Marin, teaches theater. Nice. Uh, Belly Sullivan, m- amazing actress. If you've ever seen the African American Shakespeare's Cinderella, she mm-hmm. has played various roles in that. And she was just in there, Richard, that they did. Oh, nice. They're, you know, had a very small cast doing Richard with uh, Peter Callender. Richard uh, the Third? Richard the Third, yeah. yeah. She was in that. Um, Richard Harder's birthday's coming up Friday. Oh, he took mine, yeah. Well, we can hit him again. Yeah, sure. Um, and then uh, there's an amazing producer, Shalandra Ingram, and she's back and forth between the East Coast and the Bay Area, mm-hmm. um, doing all kinds of different things, music projects, comedy, theater, um, and she actually produced a piece or co-produced a piece with Tandiwe, a solo piece that um, nice. was, I think, the last, I think that was officially the last show that the African American Shakespeare Company has done mm. to this point. Wow. So <laughs> those are my birthdays. And for mine, um, Alex Frankel. Uh, his birthday is Monday. Alex Frankel, I worked with him. He, we did um, the Texas Chainsaw Musical. Um, he, he was the actual uh, the killer, and uh, he is great. He's actually a singer and an actor, and uh, a young actor. Uh, so his birthday is on Monday. Tuesday, Mariana Wool, who works usually at the Douglas Morrison Theater. She's an actress, but she's mainly a conductor. So if you've ever gone to the DMT. They have a wonderful orchestra pit, and they hire orchestras for their musicals. And Marianna Wolf is the one who uh, conducts and um, hires the folks at the orchestra. So she does a fantastic job. Also on Tuesday, Andrew Miramontes. His birthday is uh, Tuesday. He, I work with him in Debbie Does Dallas the Musical. Now, we had a lot of fun with that. 
uh, at the uh, the Eureka Theater, where um, Theodorano is now. Also on Wednesday, Aaron Hahn, he is a actor and a playwright. I work with him on Lifetimes Three. He is turning forty six years old. Uh, Richard Harder, we talk about him. Also on Friday, along with Richard Harder, is Bruce Kaplan, who's uh, turning 65. Oh, I really? work with him. Do you know who Bruce Kaplan yeah, is? I've worked with him. He's been in a couple of my plays. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, Bruce Kaplan's fantastic. has great energy um, for someone. I don't want to say he's old. But, you know, he's, <laughs> he has great energy. I, I work with him in One Ten in the Shade, and uh, that was a fantastic experience. And great working with him. And that's it. Those are my birthdays that I have. Okay, shows. Um, in uh, in the Heights uh, is at Custom Made Theater mm-hmm. um, for at least another week, week and a half. Or, so, or yeah, two weekends. Got two mm-hmm. more weekends. Um, gosh, things that I hate. I will skip over the things. That I hate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the twelfth night is um, mm-hmm. Arabian Shakespeare, and that's in San Francisco at the Forest Gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another one of those, just like Hamlet. I think there were eight of us in Hamlet. And there's still Hamlet. It's always still going, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, th- there's a Hamlet with um, the Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, American Mall, which I don't really know much about, but um, AJ is oh, in it. Exactly. Right. Okay. And Timmy is in it at the Brava Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, Terror Rama, I can't believe it's still going on. Uh, you know, for folks who want a holiday show, that's a piano fight uh, mm-hmm. today. Uh, and then a um, couple of things for uh, Trevor Allen, local playwright, wrote an um, adaptation of Frankenstein called The Creature. They're doing a reading of it today. I guess there's actually a book for it, which is kind of cool. And then this evening, or this afternoon, um, they, um, they, he had written it as a stage play. They did a film of it, and that will be shown up in Vallejo this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Those are shows that like that. And the show we'd like to mention here on Playwrights Center of San Francisco, because it's the only really full, full, full blown shows that we do. Yeah. Is Playoffs 18. We will begin. We will begin um, performances on mm-hmm. November 8th. We're wow. doing it two wow. weekends in a row for four, for uh, three, mm-hmm. three, three shows on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and mm-hmm. Sunday matinee. Yeah. Uh, and. How many shorts total? There, there are eight. There are eight, eight, eight plays selected by audiences. Yeah. I have, I have two more of my favorites. I, I, you know, I don't want to prejudice the audience. Oh. The audience. I love Appointment at Sonora, yeah. uh, which is David Stein's piece. And there's also another one. Uh, oh, shucks. Uh, I think it's 1225. Is that? I'm pretty sure that's the name of it. 1225? Yes, it is. Yeah. It's about... Being caught by the Taliban. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I participated in a reading, and it's incredibly powerful. Yes, you, I forget, you, I forget you played it. Yes, I did. Yes, yes. I did. I, uh, who's the playwright? Because I want to, I would the love play, to have... The playwright is um, for... Um, is it, is Lynn Aylward. Al- Al- yeah. I'd love to have her on, because uh, yeah. she, she would be a great talker. Yeah. Yeah, Lynn Aylward, but it, all of them are all of them are very good. I don't want to prejudice anyone. Uh, all of them are fantastic. Yeah, they are. All of them, all, all of them are really good plays. Yeah, they really are. I want to point. I want to push uh, left comedies. Yes, that's right. Comedies, it's, it's comedies, comedies stuff, including one that'll rip your heart out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Left Coast Theater is presenting Besties at the Exit Theater. Oh. I mentioned that because Janice Rumshaw, Rumschlag, oh. uh, who was an actor at the uh, the Playwright Center. Yes. Uh, one of the young ones. Uh, she is in. Uh, she, I believe, is directing it. Also, uh, Chekhov's Ward Six 
Um, I don't know who did that. Central Works. Central Works. Yeah, I don't know. I want to go see it because he always does good shows. Yeah, Derek Grace is fantastic. Um, the Gods Are Not Happy, a dark comedy for dark time. That's being done at the Brooklyn Preserve. And our next guest will be Fallon Blazer, who runs oh, the Brooklyn yeah. Preserve. Yeah. I look forward to hearing <laughs> what's going on at the Brooklyn Preserve. Exactly. Right. Me too. I put a shot, uh, you know, I was like, hey, you know, why don't you come on to the edge? She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, hey, listen, you're an owner. You're an owner of a, of a space. Of a, of a burgeoning new exactly. space in Oakland. So great. people want to hear, you know, what's going on. So uh, so there's that. Uh, there's also, uh, we talked about Hamlet. We talked about um, Seen by Everyone. Um, oh, is that still oh, you know, I'm sorry. That That is it ended. So yeah. forget about that. Um, I want to push the right note. Uh, written by Jerome Gentes, uh, one of our guests, oh. who also runs the playwrights of the Play Cafe and the Musical Cafe. Right. When he's not doing that, he's writing, and he wrote the right note, and that'll be playing at the Phoenix Theater, November the 30th through December the 15th. So you have plenty of time to mm-hmm. book your ticket and all that stuff. And by all means, come to the Playwright Center for their uh, yeah, finale show. Yeah, it's $25. And you get 20 if you do it. Do it fast. We'll give you $20. <laughs> there you go. Did you have a good time, Charlie? I had a great time. Fine. It's great. And great, great being good presence of people who are making things happen. That uh, yeah. Thank you so much. Well, we do our best. Yeah. All righty. Let me give you my blurb. You can find the yay on the Apple Podcast app. Of course, you're listening to this already, but tell your friends. I had someone listen to a podcast. They're like, I don't know how to tell my other friends how to do it. I'm like, okay, just listen to me. And, uh, <laughs> so if you have a iPhone, uh, you know, an iOS Apple device, uh, there's a purple device, the Apple, uh, the podcast app. So it's on all iPhones and iPads. Just search for it, and you can find the A. You can also find the A on iTunes. Click on the iTunes store. Click on store. Use the search engine on the upper right-hand side and search for the A. You can find us. If you're an Android user, download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com and search for the A. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you you have a show you want to advertise and you just want to advertise yourself, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. I'm at Red Space Clay. And I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. How about you, Charlie? Do you have a uh, Twitter, Snapchat? Do you you have have a Charlie at Playwright Center. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, email. <laughs> and we will um, if, if you Charlie don't, E-Y. <laughs> exactly. Char- yes, C H E R L E Y. I didn't realize that. Yeah, Charlie E Y. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I will. When you see this on Facebook or on 